The General Services Administration's Chief Financial Officer Community of Practice is helping CFO offices at other agencies adopt robotic process automation. It's one reason the Association of Government Accountants recognized GSA with a Certificate of Excellence in Accountability Reporting. For more on GSA's award-winning financial work, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman spoke with the Director of Financial Management at GSA, Kathy Hammer, and with GSA's CFO, Gerard Bedorek. GSA is a bit different from other agencies, and around 95% of our expenses are funded from fees and work that we do for other agencies. So we probably collect around $30 billion per year, and uh, we make over $2 million payments a year to uh, commercial vendors. More specifically, each month we have a financial review with our business units. We look at results uh, relative to our business plan, year-over-year changes. How is the business uh, GSA services changing? How are we tracking against spend plans? So our financial analysts are asked to provide perspective and insights to business leaders more than here are the financial results. So a lot of focus on critical thinking in the organization and how we create value. We really help the agency think about how to better align and manage their resources. And we also think about the administrative burden we put on the business units. And it's really about helping the mission organizations to be successful. So the controls that we've implemented at GSA have significantly reduced the number of audit findings that we have. For the the last two years, we have had no significant deficiencies. And since 2014, we haven't had any material weaknesses at GSA. And having the right systems and applications helps GSA focus on our mission. We provide the tools that facilitate these tasks. We've been working with our customers to identify the tasks that are no longer necessary and we keep policies up to date, looking for those policies that cause additional burdens, working with OPM and OMB to reduce the administrative burden. So for the past two years, we've been compliant with the Improper Payment Acts, and we continue to help our customers by looking at the changes that are coming down the pipe and making sure that those that impact their ability to accomplish their mission are successful. So we continue to make sure our customers are paid timely. And so our people, our customers that we support, they don't have to worry about those administrative tasks. Excellent. And I guess just to put a perhaps a finer point on it, all of what we've been talking about here, that package deal is kind of really what AGA was recognizing here with the award. One of the goals that we had was automation and shifting uh, work from lower to high value work. And you do that by putting in place process improvements, eliminating unnecessary burden and uh, performing automation. So that's really what we have been able to do at GSA. And through the RPA community practice and other things, we've collaborated across uh, agencies in the federal government. The CFO office has not only looked at their own processes, they've helped other parts of GSA uh, uh, look at, at delivering automation. Zooming out here a little bit, certainly something that we've heard a lot these days is just how far things have come since the CFO Act was passed more than 30 years ago. And you know, with that, recognizing that the role of a CFO in a federal agency has changed significantly. I've seen the collaboration of government CFOs and communicating and working on common topics and challenges. It's a big opportunity for the federal government to collaborate across agencies and, and the different uh, councils and the creation of the CFOs and their ability to work and communicate with each other is important. And I've, I've felt really good about that. The RPA community practice is an example of 
an organization that started at GSA with a GSA CFO organization, but now is over 60 agencies uh, across the federal government. And, and you see CFOs that are leading uh, this in their agencies. And it's not just about finance, uh, it's about HR and acquisitions and, and other functions. The CFOs have worked together to address uh, common challenges. The financial audit results, uh, I believe, have gotten better across government, and there have been efforts to broaden the CFO responsibilities to uh, include areas like strategic planning and performance uh, management. So I started working with the federal government in 1983, so I was in the federal government when the CFO Act was passed, and I've seen a lot of changes during the last 38 years, especially since the CFO Act was passed. What I've seen most recently is more cross-agency coordination. Treasury's offered multiple solutions for agencies to adapt, which could help with the government-wide standardization. I've seen CFOs come together and try to implement those initiatives. One of the initiatives that Treasury has implemented is the invoice platforming, processing platform, some people refer to as IPP, and this will allow vendors to have a standard way of receiving invoices or submitting invoices to the federal government. I've seen agencies come together and try to make that work for us. And this helps the taxpayer and our commercial vendors have a standard way of submitting invoices. Also, I've seen GSA helping with the standardization of with our system for award management that allows vendors to register once to do business with the entire federal government. So what I've seen is collaboration and best business practices being implemented. And it's had a huge impact. And Gerard's already mentioned the RPA program and the community of practice and what we're seeing with that. That's actually a great point and a good segue to, you know, my next question here. What's on deck right now in terms of RPA? What's just over the horizon here? You know, the first thing you have to realize is the technology is there and and, and oftentimes, uh, you know, there, there are new technologies, the technology is delivered. It's really the adaptability and the change management of the business owners to implement that technology and, and to put the focus uh, on, on doing that. So um, the community of practice, besides uh, covering how important that uh, partnership is with the IT organization and to technically understand what you need to do. We are also very focused on, on how you deliver this uh, within the agency. One of the, we had uh, published an RPA uh, playbook as part of the community practice. One of the new reports or playbooks that's going to come out is rapid process transformation. It will uh, walk them through assessing processes and doing the process improvement and, and optimization that happens before you automate as well as the automation. So it'll really be about how you manage that uh, within within agency. So we're going to put that out there. Uh, we now have office hours for agencies to call in and, and we're building collaboration with, with other agencies. So it's not just GSA providing the answers, it's other agencies that have been highly successful with RPA. So we have uh, those experts on calls every couple of weeks uh, that we started and we're just trying to improve the collaboration and the problem solving. Uh, we're also going to uh, have some uh, mentoring programs um, as well. So, so really, really exciting things to do and uh, helping uh, agencies uh, accelerate RPA. Gerard Bedorick, GSA's Chief Financial Officer, speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. And earlier you heard from Kathy Hammer, the Director of Financial Management at GSA. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. 
Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, And then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, It's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from sea to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, And I I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used. 
that you use to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was, you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to, to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. <laughs> um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gain the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is, is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants 
as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. A financial plan isn't just about money. It's about what matters most to you, like protecting your family, supporting your community, and building a legacy for future generations. At Northwestern Mutual, we start with a conversation about the life you want to live now and years from now. Whether you're paying down debt, saving for college, or planning for retirement, we have an eye on your bigger picture. Get access to our financial expertise at harlem.nm.com. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.